Thank you. You can be seated. Good evening, everybody. Everybody had a good day so far? Well, if you haven't, it's not over yet. The best is yet to come. Amen? Praise God. So good to be with you once again. Thank you, Brother Keith, for hosting us. And uh, it's always a joy to be with he and Phyllis and and the ministry, the church, both here in Sarasota. And uh, we love these guys so very much. And you are so blessed to have such wonderful pastors. Amen. I think, I think you ought to give them a good round of applause. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this is once again our Chariot Slide Tour. We are beginning tonight. And then from here we'll ride down to Little Rock, Arkansas. And, and uh, who knows where we'll go from there. But anyway, we have a great time. We have a number of our Chariot Light members here, and some will be joining us on the tour. But first, let me introduce uh, Bill and Ginger Horn, who are directors. Bill and Ginger, please stand and give them a good warm welcome. Praise God. Bill and Ginger head up the Chariot Light, not only here in America, but chapters that we have in other nations as well. And uh, just this year alone, 2021, there's already been over 17,000 people come to Christ through Chariots of Light. Just this one outreach. Amen. And uh, God is using it in a very powerful way. I like to tell people, if you have a problem with motorcycles, get over it. Because God's using it. Hallelujah. Uh, I'll be 75 this year, and I'm still riding them, praise God. And... Uh, I plan to just keep right on riding them, and when I can't handle two wheels, I'll just go for three. Amen. Amen. And then I'm pleased to have my daughter and son-in-law with me tonight as well. They're part of our Chariot's Light. Uh, Carl and Jerry Ann, would you stand and give them a good warm welcome as well? All right. And then all the Chariot's Light that are on this tour uh, and your families, uh, please stand and give them a good welcome as well. Wonderful. Praise God. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Have you got your Bibles with you tonight? Open them to Psalm 3, first of all. Coming into 2021, I've heard the Spirit of God say this to me. There's there's three specific things that He said to me about 2021. First of all, He said it would be a year of abundant overflow. And then the second thing he said to me was, it'll be a year of an unprecedented outpouring of the goodness of God. And then the third thing he said to me was, and this was just several weeks ago, it'll be a year of first. First, things happening for you and to you for the very first time like they've never happened to you before. And I've been hanging on to that and it has been working for me, praise God. And I am experiencing abundant overflow. I am experiencing an unprecedented outpouring of the goodness of God. And I'm having first every time I turn around. And it is for anybody who will receive it. Are there any receivers in the house tonight? Lift both hands and say, I receive that, Lord. Lord. Amen. Now, he said to me, as I mentioned, tell believers everywhere you go to begin to expect an unprecedented outpouring of of the goodness of God, an unprecedented outpouring of the goodness of God. 
The word unprecedented means unmatched or unparalleled. Greater than you've ever seen or ever witnessed before. Now, I've experienced a lot of things in my 52 years of walking with God. And uh, uh, some of the things that I've experienced, my goodness, it, it causes your hair to go up right up on the back of your neck and take a week to get it to lay down again. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, God has been good to Jerry Savelle. I don't know why I'm his favorite child. I just am. I don't know. You know, and you do come a close second, but I'm his favorite. And uh, I think Phyllis wants to debate with me about that. Yeah. But anyway, Phyllis and I both are God's favorite children. Hallelujah. I'll share that with her. Praise God. But he's been so good to me. And I mean, from the first day that I surrendered my life to him. In fact, I later found out that his favor had been on my life all my life, even before I surrendered my life to him. I just didn't know it. I thought it was luck. I thought it was coincidence. And then when the Lord began to teach me about the favor of God, he said, son, it's been on you all your life. And I, I began to look back as my childhood and uh, things that happened to me that just, just you know, they, you couldn't explain it. And, of course, the only way I knew how to back then and the way a lot of people would say to it, uh, Jerry, you're the luckiest kid in the world. And I thought it was luck because I didn't know any difference. But then I learned it was the favor of God. I remember, uh, if you don't mind me telling some of these stories, I'm going to anyway, so go ahead and say, go ahead and tell them, Brother Jerry. <laughs> I remember uh, back when I was a kid, we had a state fair that came to Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, every year during the month of September. And usually they'd have some celebrity that would come, and usually it was someone on television, like a cowboy, like a... Uh, Roy Rogers, or or my favorite cowboy back then was Lash LaRue. Anybody remember Lash LaRue? And, uh, oh man, he was one cool cowboy. He was dressed in all black and had these silver studs. And he not only did this, but boy, he had that bull whip. He didn't pop you with that pistol, he'd pop you with that bull whip. And Lash LaRue was the, was the special guest that year. And boy, I could hardly wait. My dad and mom took me to the fair and they had a big tent where they had this special uh, deal with Lash LaRue every night. And we went, and there was, oh, there had to be at least 2,000 other kids in that, in that, under that tent. And Lash LaRue came out, and, and uh, he did a few tricks with that whip, you know. And then he said, I need a volunteer. Well, every kid in there raised their hand. Pick me, pick me. And I'm standing up, you know, and... I haven't always been as tall as I am today, but I was, I stood up, uh, and my dad held me up over his shoulders, you know, and, uh, so last was picking a couple of kids, and he picked me out of all those kids. They brought me up on the stage, and, and he gave me a, a, a piece of paper, and he said, hold it out in front of you. Boy, he popped that thing out of my hand, and then he, he, uh, told me to put a longer, piece in my mouth, and I was a little shaky about doing that, and he popped that thing out of my mouth, and then he gave me a, sheet, a, a paper, and he had me to put it under my legs like this, and I thought, whoa, man, that might hurt, and he popped that thing, you know, and, and afterwards, uh, he gave me a, a, a watch with his picture in it, and an autographed picture, and uh, man, when I went to school the next day, my head was this big. 
If you didn't ask me what I did the night before, I told you. And I, 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 I embellished it, you know, and, and uh, it was even greater than what had actually happened, you know. But, you know, how a kid will be. And, uh, oh, I was, the, I was the talk of the school that day. Lash the you know. And years later, somebody heard me tell that story and uh, uh, sent me a, a cup with Lash LaRue's picture on it. And something else they had that they had thought Lash LaRue was, you know, the coolest cowboy on the planet. And they sent me a bunch of stuff and I still have it. But things like that would happen to me all the time. And once again, you'd think, just lucky. You know, just, just luck. Uh, I get selected for things all the time. I remember my dad raced automobiles when I was growing up, so I grew up on racetracks. And uh, they had a, a, a track there in in Shreveport that dad raced on. And, and, of course, I'd work in the pits with him as a kid, you know. And, and if he wasn't racing, he was working in the pits on somebody else's car. And there was a guy that, that would come every year. His name was Ernie Durr. He was from Keokuk, Iowa. And he always won the races. And my dad was doing paint and body work at the Pontiac dealership. And Ernie Durr drove a Pontiac. And he won every year. And uh, uh, I got to meet him and, you know, and, and be in the pits with him. My dad would work on his car and so forth. And uh, one year he, uh, he won the feature race. And he had won the championship in that division that year. And they gave him special awards and everything. And I'm standing there next to my dad, and there's Ernie Durr over here. And, of course, I just thought he was the coolest thing in the world. And I'm standing there, and they said, Ernie, take a lap, another lap, with the checkered flags sticking out the door. And he said, Jerry, come hold the flag. Oh. I got in that race car, and I'm holding the flag, running around there with the checkered flag. My head was twice the size that it was with Lash LaRue. And, uh, of course, I had to tell about it the next day and a picture of it, you know. I was always getting selected for things. Always. And people say, you're the luckiest kid in the world. Well, that's what I thought. But the Lord said, no, son, it was favor. I was training you for the future. Getting you ready to experience the favor of God on your life like never before. And I considered it, you know, when I first came to the Lord in 1969. Uh, and you've heard me tell the story, and I want to go into it in great detail, but, but it was, uh, Kenneth Copeland who came to Shreveport, and, uh, he preached there for a week, and I, I wouldn't serve the Lord back then, and Carolyn was asking me to go to the service every night with her, and I didn't want to. I, at that time, I owned an automotive business, paint and body shop, and the last thing I wanted to do is go to church after I got off work, you know, bondo dust from head to toe, and, Grease all over you, and I don't want to go to church. I'm tired of hearing them preachers. And uh, I told Carol, I said, why don't they get a real job? Quit mooching off us. <laughs> My wife fed them all, you know. Back then, preachers didn't stay in hotels. They stayed in homes. And 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 people in the church fed them. And uh, I'd come home from work, and some big fat preacher sitting at my table <laughs> eating my chicken. And, and by the time he got through, all there was left was a gizzard, you know. And I thought, why don't this fat preacher get a real job instead of mooching off me, you know. <laughs> I'm going to write a book someday and call it, All They Wanted Was My Money and My Chicken. <laughs> I think 
think it'd be a bestseller. And uh, so Carolyn was going every night to hear Kenneth Copeland. And I didn't want to go. And so the last night, she begged me. And she said, if you'll go tonight and you don't like this preacher, then I'll never ask you to go to another service. I said, are you, are you, are you telling the truth? She said, yes. I said, no, that's the deal I've been waiting on. I'm going, and if I don't like him, I don't ever have to go again. I promise. I said, okay. So I went and cleaned up and come back, and I said, now, who is this guy you're wanting me to hear? She said, Kenneth Copeland. So we're driving to church, and I'm, I'm saying it out loud, you know, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Copeland. I said, I know who that is. She said, how would you know Kenneth Copeland? You don't go to church. I said, well, back in 1957, there was a man on the radio who had a hit record called Pledge of Love, and his name was Kenneth Copeland. I said, is that the same guy? She said, no. I said, well, did you ask him? She said, no. I said, well, how do you know? She said, well, I just know. I said, well, I'm going for two reasons tonight. Number one, if I don't like him, I'll never have to go again. If I'm still there when he finishes, I'm going to go ask him if he's the same guy that had that hit record. I'd like to be right one time. Are there any other husbands who like to be right? Don't raise your hand. Your wife's looking. Your wife's looking. <laughs> and so, so we got to church that night, and, and I, I told her, I said, now I'm going to sit on the back row just as close to the door as I can get, and the moment I don't like him, I'm going to get up and leave, and you can get home the best way you can. She said, if that's what it takes. And so uh, I'm sitting back there by the door, and they finally turned the service over to Kenneth Copeland. And I wasn't all that impressed at first, you know. And he's talking to me. He said, my subject tonight's the word of faith. And uh, so he preached for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes at the most. And he just stopped. He said, I don't know why I'm saying this. I guess somebody in here needs to hear it. has nothing to do with my sermon. But I keep sensing the leading of the Lord to tell this. Back in 1957, I had a hit record on the radio called The Pledge of Love. And I was headed for rock and roll stardom. And, uh, and, and that wasn't the will of God for my life. And, and eventually I surrendered my life to the Lord and went into ministry. And he said, now let's get back to the subject. Well, God did that for me. Because now I'm right on the edge of my chair listening to every word he said. And it changed my life that night. Changed my life. Now I call that the favor of God. That God just stopped running the universe for a moment. And had Kenneth Copeland tell that story to get me. Amen? I call that favor. I call that the favor of God. And then later, when that, that, that next morning, I, I couldn't sleep. I, I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, surrendered my life to the Lord. And I knew I was called to preach, but I didn't want to do it. And I, I surrendered my life to preach. Told the Lord I'd shut my business down, begin to prepare for ministry. And Brother Copeland came back for a second visit. And the next time he came back is when I met him. And uh, just briefly. And uh, as it turned out, he had an accident in his car on the way over there. And I repaired it during the day while he was preaching. So I didn't get to go to his day services. But I got to go in the evening. And he came over to watch me work on his car one day. And uh, uh, I got to talk to him for a little bit. And then he went back to, he was staying with my mother and father-in-law. And he went back to their house, and that night when we got to the service, about ten minutes into his service, he said, Jerry, stand up. 
I was surprised he even remembered my name. He said, I was in prayer today and God showed me that you and I will be a team. And we're going to spend the rest of our lives together preaching all over the world. And it be your responsibility to believe God for the perfect timing for the team to begin. Sit down. And then he went on with his sermon. I turned to Carolyn. I was so new. I mean, I'm less than three months old in the Lord. I said, what did all that mean? She said, I think we're moving to Fort Worth. I said, why? She said, he said you're going to be a team. And you're going to preach together for the rest of your life around the world. Favor. That's the favor of God. Can you agree with that? That's not luck. That's not a coincidence. Many times when I finally moved to Fort Worth and back in those early days when I was traveling with Brother Copeland and, and uh, you know, uh, Brother Copeland was just getting known good. He'd only been in the ministry two years when I joined him. And by the way, we've been preaching together now for over 50 years, praise God. And uh, still a team, even though we have separate ministries, but still a team, just like the Lord showed him back there 52 years ago. And in those early days... I, I, I would I would open the meetings up. I'd set up the meeting. The, the, you know, we'd go in little hotels and and little places. You know, that maybe seat a hundred people. And I'd set it all up, set the sound system up, and then I would open the service and and uh, then introduce Brother Copeland. And and while I'm standing up, I'd, I'd be looking in the audience and I'd see young men my age, and I'd think, Why me, Lord? And I'd meet some of them, and some of them were. Seminary students, they were more qualified. They, 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 they had the pedigree, so to speak. I just came out of a paint and body shop. I don't know nothing about theology. And that turned out to be a good deal, praise God. And, and I'm thinking, there's so many other young men in here who are more qualified than me. But it was a favor of God. And of course, traveling with Brother Copeland in those early days was my Bible school. Rama didn't exist then. If it did, I'd have gone there. But it didn't exist then. And so traveling with him became my Bible school. And eventually he had me start teaching in the morning services. And, uh, and of course, we've been preaching together now for over 50 years. The favor of God. The favor of God. I considered the first time I met Kenneth Hagin, because I followed Kenneth Hagin's ministry through tapes, back reel-to-reel tapes back then, and then later cassettes, and before I ever met the man. And then when I met him, we became friends almost immediately. I preached with him numerous times, uh, had him in my home. He'd been in his home, preached in his camp meeting, and, and uh, I thought the world to Kenneth Hagin. He was one of my mentors along with Brother Copeland. And then later, uh, Or Roberts sees me preaching on television and calls and asks me to come to ORU. And he said, I told Evelyn, it's time for me to begin a relationship with this young man. I heard he heard the call of God watching me in 1957 on TV. And it's time for us to begin a relationship with him. I served on his board for over 20 years. One of the most precious men I've ever known in my life. I miss him greatly. That's the favor of God. I've had the privilege of preaching with what I consider to be the greatest men and women of God of our generation. That's the favor of God. Amen. The favor of God. And as much of the favor of God that I've already experienced, and trust me, if you know me well, if you knew me well, you'd say, boy, the favor of God shows up with him all the time. And it does. It's not something that happens occasionally. It's all the time. And uh, But I keep hearing the Lord say, son, 
If you think you've experienced favor up to now, you haven't seen anything yet. There is an outpouring of the favor of God. And it's already begun. And I want you to receive it, praise God. I want you to become a recipient of it. And I challenge you tonight to determine that it's not going to pass you by. If it's going to happen to anybody, it's going to happen to you. Lift both hands and say, I agree with that, Lord. Now, when you talk about the goodness of God, you have to understand that there are several words that are synonymous with it. One of them is kindness. One of them is benevolence. One of them is charity, compassion, mercy, and also favor. You can't separate the favor of God from the goodness of God. It's one of the attributes, you might say, of the goodness of God. Now, the Lord began to teach me this back in 1969. And at that time, I'd never heard another living soul mention the phrase, the favor of God. I didn't even know it existed. I thought, how could anyone have favor with God? You know, uh, I'd never heard anybody talk about it. Favor with God? I mean, I knew certain people I had favor with, but favor with God? And I'd never heard about anybody preach on it, never even heard anybody talk about it, never even heard the phrase before. And it was the first revelation the Lord shared with me back when I was less than three months old in the Lord. And one day, I was in prayer. I'd get up every morning at 6 o'clock. I'd shut my business down, and I went to my guest bedroom and spent no less than eight hours a day studying the Word of God. And, and the Lord was teaching me on favor. And, and one morning, I was in prayer, and the Lord told me to journal everything He said to me. And I still do to this day. I have all those journals in my archives, 52 years of them. <clears throat> and uh, the Lord said to me, and He said, write this down. He said, there will come a day when your name will be known around the world for the favor of God that's on your life and ministry. And I'll hold you responsible for teaching others how to walk in it as you do. And I wrote that down. 1969. I have it in a journal back home. Now, I didn't go around telling anybody about that. You know, you don't, when you're less than three months old in the Lord, you don't go to church next Sunday and say, guess what? <laughs> My name will be known around the world. For the favor of God. No, I didn't even tell my wife. And I, I, I wrote it trembling. You know, favor? My name will be known around the world for the favor of God? I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty bold. And I just, I just kept it in the journal. Never told another soul about it. And yet, I was experiencing favor all the time. It just kept happening. It just kept manifesting over and over and over. And eventually, that came to pass. Not overnight. Not in a year or two. But eventually, it came to pass. And today, my name is known all over the world for the favor of God on my life and ministry. In fact, many places I go, they don't even introduce me. Let's welcome Brother Jerry. It's Mr. Favor or Dr. Favor. There's even been a song written about me, about the favor of God. It's a hip-hop song. Now, I've never been into hip-hop much, but I like this one. 
It's called The Favor Flow. It's on YouTube. Check it out. It's cool. It's written by Terry Minor Jr. And, and, he, and he goes, give me the favor flow. Give me the, I'm trying to learn the move. Give me the favor flow. <laughs> and, and it says, uh, all is well. I want favor like Jerry Savelle. How many songs have been written about you? Check it out, YouTube. Terry Minor, the favor flow. Amen. And so that came to pass. The favor of God. And uh, I, I was impressed, the Lord, when I was preparing for this meeting tonight, to talk about this unprecedented outpouring of God's goodness, which has to include God's favor. Now, if you've ever experienced the favor of God, and I know most of you have in some way or another, just begin to think in terms of unprecedented, like never before. Now, let let me just give you a quick testimony. I will get to the Bible in just a moment. (laughs) The scripture I want you to read. You know, 2020. The last meeting I preached in 2020 before the pandemic broke out was in Denver, Colorado. And I preached uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday night. And then after the service, uh, I got in the airplane and flew back to Fort Worth. And the next day is when everything shut down. Everything shut down because of the coronavirus. I was scheduled the following week to be all over Europe. And then two weeks later, I was scheduled to be all over Africa. Had to cancel all those meetings. And I did not leave Fort Worth again until August. Is the first time I started going out and, and preaching. Now, Brother Copeland and I did uh, these virtual victory campaigns from Eagle Mountain Church that had been scheduled in different cities around the country, but we couldn't we couldn't leave Fort Worth, and there's just a handful of people in the church. You remember back when that was happening, and so uh, uh, when everybody on television is screaming "worst of times, worst of times," I was having my best of times. I mean, it was the most phenomenal year I'd ever had in the history of our ministry. We broke all records in every area. Finances went up uh, to another level. I mean, God was doing things that we had never seen done before. I was experiencing the favor of God at another level. Now, 20 years prior, I, I began, well, I actually began international ministry in 1978. And, and my first international trips were to the continent of Africa. And uh, <clears throat> since then, I have preached in 49 different nations. And, and usually, when I go to another nation, I don't go just to preach. I have an apostolic anointing on my life. I'm a planter. I plant Bible schools. I plant churches. I plant training centers. And so, uh, the Lord impressed upon me that it was time for me to begin to believe for an international aircraft. Because I go to a lot of places where commercial airlines don't even go. Sometimes I fly into a nation and, and they pick me up. And then they drive me another eight hours uh, to some remote area where I'm, I'm preaching. And uh, uh, so we begin to believe for an international aircraft. <clears throat> now, I didn't need it right then, but I knew there would come a day... When I would need it. 
So I started sowing seed toward it. And uh, I asked the Lord, I said, what, what kind of aircraft do I need? Now, up until now, uh, up until then, I'd, I'd owned airplanes, but they wouldn't take me international. They, I could travel around the country, but none of them had the range to go international. And I said, Lord, what do I need? And uh, he impressed upon me a Falcon 50. So I went to the I went to the plant in Little Rock, Arkansas, did a tour. Started at the beginning and went all the way through that plant, gave me a VIP tour. When I got at the end of that plant, I was convinced the Falcon 50 was what I needed. So I started believing God for it and started sowing seed toward it. There's no such thing as a harvest without sowing seed. So every time I, I got some extra money, I'd sow it into somebody else's aviation department. And... Uh, Believe in God for this Falcon 50. Well, wouldn't you know it? During a pandemic, when everybody is screaming, worst of times, worst of times, my Falcon 50 manifested and it's debt free, praise God. That's, that's the favor of God. Now, <clears throat> the story doesn't end there. There was a, a partner of mine that lived down in South Texas. And he said, Brother Jerry, I've heard you talk about a Falcon 50. And he said, I know nothing about airplanes. And uh, I just happened to find out that there's a Falcon 50 in San Marcos, Texas. It's in a hangar. And they tell me it's been sitting there for about five months. And I don't know if it's for sale. I don't know anything about it. But it might be something worthy of you checking on. And so uh, I called my chief pilot. I said, uh, check on this. He did. And he said, it is in a hangar in San Marcos. It has been sitting there for five months, and it is for sale. I said, let's fly down there tomorrow and go check on it. And so we flew down there, and the uh, the uh, guy that had managed the airplane for the owner was there to meet us, and he was also the broker. And uh, so he pulled the airplane out of the hangar, and, and Brad and I climbed up in it. And uh, we, we looked, and it was an older model, but what attracted me to it was it only had 4,900 hours on it. I mean, that's not even broke in good. 4,900 hours on it. And uh, so that, that was the number one attraction. And then when we began to look at the airplane, it was, it was a nice airplane, but it had been setting up for about five months, hadn't been flown. And uh, uh, I said, sir... Would you mind stepping out of the airplane? We're going to shut the door and we're going to pray. He said, sure. So he stepped out of the airplane. I said, Brad, you go to the cockpit and I'm going to walk around back here. You shut the door and you pray and I'm going to pray. And if you get anything from God, you tell me. If I get anything, I'll tell you. Well, we're walking around and in a little while, man, the joy of the Lord came on me. I got to jumping and shouting and praising God. I could hear Brad doing it in the cockpit. And I said, Brad, get back here. He came back. He said, uh, Brother Jerry. I said, what's the Lord saying to you? He said, what's he saying to you? I said, Brad, this is my airplane. I said, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. This is, this is my airplane. He said, I believe it is. I said, call that guy back up here. He got back up. And while he's climbing up in the airplane, the Lord told me, don't negotiate. Tell him you'll pay him what he's asking. I said, now, Lord, why would I want to do that? <laughs> I mean, you know what they're asking for. It is negotiable. I've never 
bought an airplane that paid for what they asked for it at the beginning. I said, why would I want to do that? He said, just do what I'm telling you, and I'll make it up to you on the other end. Well, I didn't know what that meant, but I obeyed the Lord. And I said, sir, I'll pay you what you want for it, and I'll pay you cash. And uh, and in the natural, I didn't have all the cash to pay for it at that time, but what's new? So anyway, <laughs> and so uh, he said, uh, you don't want to negotiate? I said, no, I'll pay you what you're asking. Well, we we got into pre-buy, and and uh, there were several inspections that were past due that the owner, it was his responsibility to take care of those inspections, or he couldn't put the plane up for sale. And I said, now the owner has got to take care of these inspections. That's that's not on me. He said, well, I'll talk to him about it. And uh, he said, uh, and I said, now you tell him I'm paying him what he mas- he's asking for it. I'm not asking for a break in the price. But you tell him he has to take care of these inspections. Well, one inspection was a quarter of a million dollars. The second inspection was about $100,000. The third inspection was close to another $100,000. And then finally the owner said, there was one more inspection. He said, tell Mr. Savell, I'm not going to do that last inspection. He'll have to be responsible for it, but I'll knock another quarter of a million dollars off the asking price. I've already saved a quarter of a million, a hundred thousand, another hundred thousand, and another quarter of a million. I call that favor. I said, I call that favor. Amen. And, oh, it's a fine airplane. We flew it here tonight. Hallelujah. And I cannot wipe the smile off my face every time I get in it. Hallelujah. It's the favor of God. In fact, I'm having a plaque put on the galley that says... Favor made it happen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The favor of God. And the Lord keeps saying, Son, if you think you've experienced favor up to now, get ready. You haven't seen anything yet. Look at your neighbor and say, Get ready. You haven't seen anything yet. And let's go ahead and give a shout unto the Lord in advance. What do you say? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, did you find Psalm 3, 8 yet? I've given you plenty of time. Look at verse 8. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Your blessing is upon your people. That little word selah means stop and think about this. Don't be too quick to go read the next chapter. Stop and dwell on that thought for a moment. Thy blessing is upon thy people. How many of you consider yourself as one of God's people? Then he's saying the blessing is already on you. It's not going to get on you when you get to heaven. It came on you the day you made Jesus the Lord of your life. Thy blessing is upon thy people. But if you go back to Genesis 12, you'll find out when God introduced himself to Abram, He said, and I will bless thee, and I'll make your name great, and so forth. In the Amplified, it says it this way. I will bless you, and I will give you an abundant increase of favors. So, blessing and favor 
are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. If the blessing of God is on His people, then the favor of God is on His people. And somebody ought to rejoice over that. Praise God. Amen. Say, thank you, Lord. Your blessing is on me. And thank you again, Lord, that your favor is on me. So I don't have a corner on something that you don't have access to. The only difference between me and perhaps some of you in here or others that are watching by way of Internet or whatever, uh, uh, live stream, the only difference between me and possibly some others is I am well-versed in it, well-trained in it, and you can get that way. Amen. Amen. I, I am consumed with the thought of the favor of God on my life. I don't leave my house without decreeing the favor of God is going to manifest in some way on my life today. And it's, it is very, very seldom that it doesn't manifest in some way before that day is up. Amen. And so you can be just as uh, uh, strong in it and experience just as much in the manifestation of it as I do. But it's not going to happen to you because it happens to me. It happens to you because you do what I did. And you get it down in your spirit to the point that nobody can take it away from you. You know what I'm talking about? That it's just a part of your life. It's like breathing. You just, you know, you don't have to say breathe this morning. When you get up, be sure and breathe. Unless you can't breathe. But it's just a natural part of your existence. Walking in the favor of God is a natural part of my existence. Amen. And you ask anybody that knows me well. In fact, Gloria Copeland's told me I don't know how many times. Jerry, I've never met anybody in my life that walks in more favor than you do. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm consumed with it. Amen. I'm fully aware that it's on me. And it surrounds me. And I expect it. In fact... It doesn't surprise me that the favor of God shows up every day in my life. What does surprise me is how God goes about making it happen. That's always a surprise. Amen. Amen? But it doesn't surprise me that it happens. In fact, I've learned to do this, and I'll get into this a little deeper as we go. I've learned to do this, and the Lord taught me way back there. Now, I've been teaching on favor for over 50 years. This is not something new that I heard somebody else talk about. I've been teaching on it for 50 years. And the Lord taught me way back there. He said, every time the favor of God manifests in your life, you stop right then and say out loud, I don't care where you are, grocery store, ball game, in the middle of of the shopping mall, wherever. You stop right then and you say out loud, hey, that's the favor of God. And the more you acknowledge it, the more you'll expect it, and the more you expect it, the more it'll happen to you. Amen. Practice it for a moment. Hey, that's the favor of God. Say it again. Hey, that's the favor of God. And I do that everywhere I go. I don't care if it's nothing more than getting a front row parking place at the restaurant. Hey, that's the favor of God. Somebody said, you're a nut. Well, I may be a nut, but I'm a nut that parks in front of the parking in, in part of front of the restaurant, and you walk them out. <laughs> and I say it all the time. If you're ever with me, 
And the favor of God manifests. Is that not true? People that travel with me. Tony's with me all the time. Bill and Ginger are with me most of the time. My daughter knows it. I decree it every time it happens. Hey, that's the favor of God. Amen. I want people to know. And I give God the credit for it. Many times I've, I've been flying back from some foreign nation and I have offices around the world and my directors usually travel with me in those nations. And, uh, many times I've had to, I've had to leave a place, uh, earlier than what I had originally planned. And, you know, going to London Heathrow or Gatwick and trying to change your flight and trying to get a first class seat's not always the easiest thing. But all the way there, I'm confessing the favor of God. And I'll, I'll turn to Jeff, who's my director in the UK. Jeff, I'll have favor. You just watch. I'll have favor. We get to the airport, get in line, walk up to the desk, and I'd say, I have to change my flight. I, I'd like to get another first class seat. And she says, well, uh, first class is booked. I said, that's subject to change. She said, pardon me? I said, that's subject to change. She don't understand what I'm doing. But it doesn't matter if she understands. I understand what I'm doing. Okay? I said, that's subject to change. She said, no, look, I'll show you. Every seat is occupied. I said, I know, but that's subject to change. And Jeff just looks at me. And I just grin at him. I said, Jeff, Paul said, things which are seen are subject to change. They're temporal. That means subject to change. And more than once, this has happened. Another lady will come out the back and come up there and say, Hey, I know you. You're Jerry Samuel. I have your book on favor. Can I help you? It'll be her superior or her, uh, you know, the lady in charge. She says, Can I help you? I said, Yes, ma'am. Uh, I need to get back earlier than what I had originally planned. And I'm, I'm endeavoring to get a first class seat like I had on the other flight. Oh, let me check it out for you. Come back and say, I've arranged for it. Uh, would it be all right if you set it in the bulkhead? I said, that's my favorite seat. And I wanted to go to that other lady and go, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> but I, I didn't. I was nice. I was nice. <laughs> and Jeff just shakes his head. Brother Jerry, you beat anything I've ever seen. I said, it's favor, Jeff. It's the favor of God. I mean, one time I was flying back and the pilot... That was flying American Airlines all the way from from uh, uh, Gatwick back to Dallas-Fort Worth. He come back to go to the toilet and he saw me and he said, Hey, I know who you are. I'll be back in just a moment. I want to talk to you. And in a little while, there's a flight attendant come up and she said, Hey, you're the favor man. I have your book on favor in my purse. Would you autograph it? I said, I'd be happy to. And then another flight attendant come from the back and she said, Hey, they told me you were up here. Could you autograph my book too? It's in my suitcase. I said, I'd be happy to. And the man sitting next to me, and these are his exact words. I don't talk like this, but he said, I don't know who the hell you are, but I ain't had no damn service since you got on board. (laughs) I said, it's favor, sir. It's favor. (laughs) Now, the story's better if I use the words, okay? But, but, but I don't talk like that, okay? Amen. <laughs> favor. Favor, praise God. 
Now, one of the first things the Lord taught me was that favor and the blessing are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. If the blessing of God is on your life, then the favor of God is on your life. Now, the Lord taught me way back there, and and I I put it in uh, one of the books I wrote on favor, the favor of God, one of my first books on the subject back there years ago. And and I put it in that book, and I'm not going to expound upon it. But the Lord taught me ten major benefits of walking in divine favor. And I'm I'm just going to list them. I'm not going to expound on them. I'll I'll give you the scripture reference, and you study it out for yourself. And if you want to get the book, it's in detail in there. But here's what the favor of God will do when you are aware that it's on your life. It will bring supernatural increase and promotion. That's from Genesis 39, 21. It will bring restoration of everything the enemy has stolen from you. That's Exodus 3.21. It will bring honor in the midst of your adversaries. That's Exodus 11.3. It will bring increased assets, especially in the area of real estate. That's Deuteronomy 33.23. It will produce your greatest victories you have ever experienced especially in the midst of impossible odds. That's Joshua 11.20. You'll receive recognition even when you seem to be the least likely to receive it. That's 1 Samuel 16.21. It will produce prominence and preferential treatment. Esther 2.17. It will cause petitions to be granted to you even by ungodly civil authorities. That's Esther chapter 5 and verse 8. It will change rules, policies, regulations, and even laws if necessary, or reverse them to your advantage. And that's happened to me many times. And that is in Esther chapter 8 and verse 5. And then it will produce battles won on your behalf, that you don't even have to fight yourself. God will fight them for you. That's Psalm 44, verse 3. Ten major benefits of walking in the favor of God. And once again, I don't have time to expound them on them, uh, expound upon them, but they're all there in the Bible, praise God. That's where I got them. And I got that over 50 years ago, and I have been decreeing that and, and, and seeing that happen in my life time and time and time again. Amen. But... The best is yet to come. Look at your neighbor and say, the best is yet to come. Now, let's go to Psalm 31, verse 19. Excuse me. Psalm 31, verse 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness. Now, When we see the word goodness in this study, let's interchange it with the word favor. Because favor and goodness are synonymous. Okay? Oh, how great is thy favor, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Now, I want you to notice two different positions here. Number one... Favor which has been laid up. 
and then favor which has been wrought, or goodness, interchangeable. Favor which has been laid up, and then favor which has been wrought. In other words, it's talking about two different positions. Number one, it's favor you've already experienced. That, that comes under the category favor that has been wrought. And then notice the other category is favor that's been laid up. That means you haven't experienced that yet. Another translation says stored up. And another says in reserve. Sounds like to me God has put it in reserve for a special time. Amen. And I believe we have reached that time. What, what, what more do we need in the earth that we're living in today than the favor of God? <clears throat> Amen? The favor of God. And notice once again, it's been wrought, meaning the favor we've already experienced, but then there is favor that has been laid up or stored up. This is referring to, uh, uh, favor that we haven't yet experienced. Now, Psalm 6511, and let's remember the word unprecedented, unprecedented. Psalm 6511 says, Thou crownest the year with thy goodness, or favor. Every time I say goodness, you say favor, okay? You crown the year with your goodness. Favor. Now, what does the word crown mean? It means it's the way the year ended. It's the way the year culminated. In other words, he's saying, <clears throat> Lord, you've given me a good year. <clears throat> Excuse me. You have crowned it with your goodness and with your favor. In other words, throughout this year, I've experienced favor after favor after favor after favor. It's how my year ended. Amen. And I believe that's what you and I are going to be able to say by the time we reach December the 31st, 2021. I know I'm going to say it, and I hope you're going to be able to say it as well. God, you have crowned my year with your favor. You have crowned my year with your goodness. Now, one commentary says it this way. God, you have poured out your goodness to the extreme. You have poured out your goodness and your favor to the extreme. I like extreme. How about you? You know, uh, I remember when I first came to the Lord, there was a, a, a preacher at the church that Carolyn grew up in and I started going to. And uh, he, he, had a, he had a problem with Brother Copeland. He just didn't like him. And he was upset that I was, you know, tagging along with him. And he was constantly trying to straighten me out. And I said, and, and I won't mention his name, but I said, uh, uh, Pastor, why do you have a problem with Brother Copeland? He said, well, he's an extremist. I didn't know what he was talking about. He said, he's an extremist. He doesn't preach the whole counsel of God. I thought, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, I was so young in the Lord, you know. And he said, <clears throat> he's an extremist. I said, what do you mean by that? Well, 
He just doesn't preach the whole counsel of God. He thinks everybody ought to be blessed. Everybody ought to prosper. Everybody ought to be healed. I said, what's wrong with that? That's extreme. Well, years later, I came back to Shreveport after I'd moved to Fort Worth, and they asked me to preach at the church. And uh, I walked up to that same pastor, and I said, Sir, uh, before I preach tonight, I just want you to know, I have become an extremist. (laughs) He said, What? I said, Yeah, I'm extremely blessed, extremely healed, extremely favored. I've become an extremist. I don't mind having favor extremely on my life. The blessings extremely on my life. And I remember one time, Brother Copeland and I were in uh, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And after the service, this man came up to Brother Copeland and said, You don't preach the whole counsel of God. I thought, boy, I've heard that before. And I could hardly wait to hear how Brother Copeland would respond. So I'm standing there waiting for this brilliant answer from Brother Copeland. You know, he's my hero. I'll see how he handles this. He said, you're right. And I said, what? He said, I don't preach the whole counsel of God. What? I mean, he just burst my balloon. He said, I don't know the whole counsel of God, but as soon as I learn it, I'll preach it. And then he just walked off. I said, yeah, that's what we believe. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Only Brother Copeland. Now, Another translation, the New International Version says, talking about this goodness that's been laid up, it uses the phrase stored up or in reserve, meaning it's been held back for a specific time. Amen. You know, you're not going to experience everything God wants you to experience all in one time, all at one time. I mean, you know... I'm experiencing things today that I couldn't handle 25 years ago. I wasn't ready for it. But God had it in reserve. It was waiting for me to reach the place of maturity, perhaps, of where I could handle it. So notice here, you've seen the goodness of God. You've experienced the favor of God. But there's still so much in reserve that you haven't tapped into yet. And why is it in reserve? I believe for such a time as this. What better time than when the world has gone nuts for God's people to walk in the favor of God. And things happen to us that's not happening to anybody else in the world. And, and jobs are opening to us that are not opening to anybody else. And, 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 and blessings are coming to us that's not coming to anybody else. Now, favor brings preferential treatment. I get testimonies all the time. People talking about, you know, uh, 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 one, one lady wrote to me, she said, we owed $300,000 to the IRS, and, and we didn't know how in the world we was ever going to pay it. And said, and we got that book on favor and started confessing those benefits and said, we were going to pay it, and we didn't know how. We didn't know where the money's going to come from, but we started confessing all those benefits that you wrote in the book about the favor of God and said, and she sent me a copy of the letter from the IRS and they had forgiven them of over $250,000 said, just pay us 50,000 and the debt is settled. 
And she wrote, that's the favor of God. Hallelujah. I get testimonies like that all the time. You know, when the IRS starts forgiving $300,000 debts, look up, thy redemption draweth nigh. Amen. Amen. How many of you could stand some more manifestations of the favor of God? Well, we all can. Now, let's look at Psalm 23 for a moment. Psalm 23. And you're all familiar with this. Look at verse 6. Now, when I say goodness, you say what? Surely goodness. Let's do it again. Surely goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Has anybody in here already lived all the days of your life? I haven't. Has anybody already lived them? No. So that means if goodness is going to follow me all the days of my life, then there's still some goodness I haven't experienced yet. There's still some favor I haven't experienced yet. If it's going to follow me all the days of my life, Well, I haven't lived all the days of my life yet, and I don't plan to check out real soon. So that means more goodness, more favor. And notice the word, follow me. Follow me. I I was looking up the word follow. And it means to come after or to be in constant pursuit of. The goodness of God and the favor of God are in constant pursuit of me. Hallelujah. I decree that all the time. In fact, everywhere I fly, when I get off my airplane, I'll say, favor. If you're looking for me, I'm in Branson now. Come on me and overtake me. Follow me. Hallelujah. Amen. I, 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 I get off the plane in Australia. If you're looking for me, favor, I'm in Sydney now. Follow me. And I expect it. And it happens. And it doesn't surprise me that it happens. But it always surprises me how God goes about it. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Constant pursuit. Look at somebody and tell them, the favor of God is in constant pursuit of me. That sounds good, doesn't it? Why don't you start decreeing that instead of nothing good ever happens to me? I wish I was Jerry Savelle. Well, I wish you were too, but you're not. (laughs) So, why don't it just happen to you, praise God? But see, the difference is, this is not just a sermon to me. It's life. It's life. It's, It's what I do. You've heard me tell this story before, but I like telling it again. It's my sermon. I want to hear it again. I was watching several years ago the NBA Finals, and I don't get to watch that that much. And I'm really not that interested in the NBA Finals, but it happened to be on, and I was watching it. And I think San Antonio was playing somebody. And San Antonio, I think, won, they won the game, and everybody was shocked that they won the game. And so they went into the locker room, and... <laughs> Uh, they were interviewing this one player, and they had the mic right in front of him. He's sitting on the bench there getting ready to, you know, clean up and all after the game. And he's sitting on the bench, and they put the microphone in his face, and he says, How did you do this? 
you guys were not favored to win this. How did it, how did it happen? And he said, it's what we do, man. It's what we do. I started using that. I mean, I, I say it all the time, don't I? I, I every time somebody says, uh, are you still preaching on the favor of God? Yes, yeah, what to do, man. It's what to do. <laughs> favor still coming on you? Yeah, it's what it does, man. It's what it does. <laughs> Come on, practice a little bit. It's what to do, man. It's what to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, now. Surely, favor and mercy and goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. Constant pursuit of me. Another commentary used this term, meaning for the meaning of the word follow. To be posterior in time. And that means in the ages to come. In other words, what he's saying is it will not only follow you today, but it will follow you in the ages to come. That means there is favor that we haven't tapped into yet. Now, Paul picks up on this. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And look at verse 7. I love talking about the favor of God. It's my favorite subject. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness Toward us through Christ Jesus. Now notice the phrase, ages to come. Everybody say, ages to come. Now ages to come represents ages beyond the age that Paul was living in. Would you agree with that? Now, obviously Paul experienced the grace of God. He experienced the goodness of God. He experienced the favor of God. But he's saying, there is coming a generation that is going to experience it beyond anything I've ever experienced. I believe he was looking at you and me in the Spirit. I, I like to say, he didn't know my name, but if he had known it, he'd have put it right there in Ephesians 2.7. That in the ages to come, Jerry Savell will experience the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness. Amen. Now, listen to how the Amplified reads. That he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come, listen to this, the immeasurable, the limitless, and the surpassing riches of His free grace, and it adds His unmerited favor in His kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. The New Living Translation says, in future ages. So Paul is looking beyond his generation And he's seeing our generation, I believe. And he's saying that generation is going to experience the favor of God, the goodness of God, the the, uh, uh, generosity of God in an immeasurable, limitless, and surpassing way. Hallelujah. Uh, You missed a wonderful opportunity to lift your hand and say, that's me he's talking about. Come on, do it. Say, that's me he's talking about. I love these words, immeasurable. Amen. That means cannot be measured, incomputable, beyond calculation. Wouldn't you agree that would come under the category of unprecedented? 
What about limitless? Unbounded. Having no limits. Infinite. Wouldn't that come under the category of unprecedented? What about surpassing? Exceeding. Going to a greater level or a greater degree. Going beyond what has been experienced before. Transcending. Wouldn't you agree that that comes under the category of unprecedented? And Paul saw it in the Spirit coming to a generation before the appearing of the Lord. And folks, we are close. Just look at the world around you. And if you can't agree that we, we certainly have the potential of being the generation that is going to be caught up with Him in the sky. Hallelujah. Amen. So notice Paul is talking about this ages to come. Ages to come. Well, that was written ages ago. Would you agree? And I believe we are that generation. That all this goodness and all this favor that has been in reserve has been waiting for. Hallelujah. Why don't we just go ahead and tap into it. Amen. 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 Now, go with me to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46. Are you receiving tonight? And let's look at verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. Now that's what Paul just did under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. Notice, God says, I declare things that are not yet done. And that's what Paul was telling us in Ephesians 2.7. The message translation says, I will do exactly what I set out to do. Verse 11 says, I have purposed it and I will also do it. The message translation says, I planned it so it's as good as done. Hallelujah. What has God planned? An outpouring of unprecedented favor. And he said, I've planned it, and it's as good as done. Well, I for one, I'm going to lift my hand and say, and I receive it, praise God. I receive this unprecedented outpouring of the favor of God. Now, that's, that's, the, that's the first thing that you need to do, is receive it by faith. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 makes this statement. The word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, I hope there's nobody in here like this. But in many places I preach, they hear the same message that everybody else heard, but they don't mix faith with it. And they walk away, and it did not profit them. Then others, they hang on to every word. You, 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 sometimes you can, you can see the light turn on. Isn't that right, Brother Keith? I mean, you, you can see that it's become revelation to them. And they're, they're, they're grabbing hold of it. I mean, some people, they look like they're about ready to bite the back out of the seat in front of them. They're so excited about it. <laughs> then others. Well, that's a good little sermon that little preacher gave us, didn't he? Well, what he'll talk about next time. That's about as far as it went. But the Bible said, if you don't mix faith with the word preached, if you haven't noticed, I'm preaching <laughs> the word. 
If they don't mix faith with the word preach, then it will not profit them. Or it will not benefit them. What's the sense of coming to church if you're not going to mix faith with the word preached? You might as well stay at home and watch Barney Fife. When I come to church, I come to mix faith with the word preached. Hallelujah. I want it to profit me. I'm not wasting my time. Hallelujah. The message translation says, It didn't do them a bit of good because they did not receive the promise with faith. Isn't it a shame that some people sitting in the same auditorium, hearing the same message, and some people get it, mix faith with it, and they got testimonies. And other people heard the same message, didn't mix faith with it, and they go out the same way they came in, and they never have a testimony. I'm not going to be one of those people. I'm mixing my faith with it. You say, well, how do you mix your faith with the word preach? Simply like this. I receive it. Lift your hands right now and say, I receive it. Amen. I receive it. You know, I've had many times Brother Hagin prophesy over me in various meetings. And, and as soon as he got through with that prophetic word, I'd lift both hands and I'd say, Brother Hagin, I received that. And it hadn't even happened yet. Brother Copeland's prophesied over me numerous times. And I said, Brother Copeland, I received that. And it hadn't even happened yet. Oral Roberts prophesied over me numerous times. Brother Roberts, I received that. And it hadn't even happened yet. But I received it. And many times, if it was recorded in a service, then I'll get with the people that did the recording, ask for a copy of it, and take it to my secretary and have her transcribe it and put it on my desk. Or sometimes my art department will frame it in beautiful lettering and put it on the wall so every time I go in my office, I can walk up to it and read it and put my hands on it, mix my faith with it and say, I receive that. I receive that. Amen. So, if you want this message that I'm sharing with you tonight to profit you or to bring benefit to your life, then the first thing you need to do is say, I receive it. Even before it happens. Amen? Even before it happens. Now, just simply declare this with me. I receive this unprecedented outpouring of the favor of God in my life this year in Jesus' name. It's mine to enjoy, and I'm not going to allow the devil to rob me of it. And give the Lord a great shout. Praise God. Amen. Now, secondly, begin to talk about it all the time. Talk about it all the time. Not just in a service. Not just tonight. Not just when you get home and then forget it tomorrow. Talk about it all the time. Second Corinthians 4.13, Paul was quoting David. And he says this. We having the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Notice, what you believe, you talk. What you believe, you give voice to it. Amen. Good or bad. If you believe in the wrong things, you're going to talk it. If you believe in the right things, you're going to talk it. Amen. 
So Paul says, we have the same spirit of faith. I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Do you truly believe that God wants you, not me, but you to experience an unprecedented outpouring of His favor? If you truly believe it, then leave here talking it. Amen? Talk it. Talk it in your home. Talk it among your family members. Amen. And don't stop talking it. The Passion Translation says it this way. First I believed, then I spoke in faith. First I believed, and then I spoke in faith. Now Job 22.28 makes this statement. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. Now the Amplified adds this. You shall decide and decree. You have to make a decision first to do this. Amen? Now that's where a lot of people miss it. They don't make a quality decision to do it. They have good intentions. I'm going to do that. You know what? I have good intentions to get up and work out every day. Not that I need it, but I mean, you know. I do have good intentions. In fact, I have a gym right next to my study in my home. It was built there for a purpose. And I walk right by it every morning. (laughs) Wave every once in a while. I had good intentions. You know, one time, Mr. Universe, Dennis Tenorino, he, 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 he became a, a student of mine. He traveled with me. I became his mentor. He wound up in full-time ministry after he competed in Mr. Universe for years and years. And he, he'd come stay with me and travel with me. He wanted to be my personal trainer. It's not every day Mr. Universe wants to train Jerry Savelle. I could hardly wait for him to get there. I went, I went to the, to the, uh, uh, academy. I bought all the latest Nike stuff. You gotta look good when you train with Mr. Universe. You gotta be wearing them old ragged shorts. I went and got all the good stuff. I turned my garage into world gym. Bought all the equipment. Then I picked up Dennis at DFW back when you could go, you know, to the gate and meet him. And Dennis comes out of that airplane. He's like this, chiseled out of stone. I mean, everybody in that airport stopped and just gawked at him. He had on this bright red t-shirt said, Super Bodies by Tenorino. And nobody, I mean, everybody in the airport stopped. And I walked up to him and I noticed he had one of them red t-shirts in his hand and he threw it to me. He said, yo, Jerry, put this on and call things to be not as though they were. I put on my super body shirt. Looked like I had on a mini skirt. And they were, they were gawking at Dennis and laughing at me, you know. And all the way to my house, Dennis is telling me, uh, I, I, I set you up a program. He was originally from New York, Brooklyn, you know, and the Bronx. And he said, uh, he still talked like Rocky Balboa. Yo, Jerry. 
he said, I, I, I got a program for you. You can, you can use this and you can, you can share it with uh, other traveling ministers. We want you guys in shape. We need you to be around for a long time. And so he's telling me all the way from the airport to my house, which is a good 30 minute drive. And he's telling me what we're going to do. We're going to get up in the morning. We're going to do a stretching exercise. Then we're going to do this, this, and this. And I said, Dennis, what are we going to eat? He said, I brought some wheat germ. And I said, no, Dennis, really, what are we going to eat? He said, wheat germ and other, other vitamins and stuff. I said, no, Dennis, what are we going to eat? He said, I'm going to get you in shape. We can eat later. Well, I went to bed that night. He said, we said we're going to get up at 6 o'clock and start all this. I laid all my Nike stuff in the chair next to my bed. I beat the alarm up. I got on all that stuff. I walked into the living room, and there's Mr. Universe lacing up his tennis shoe. And when he smiled at me, it should have given me a clue. This is going to hurt. <laughs> he said, you ready for the stretching exercise? I said, yeah, let's do it. And so we went through that. We worked out all day long, dear Lord. And all we had was a stupid stuff to eat. Tastes like cardboard. <clears throat> I said, what are we going to do tomorrow? Well, we'll do some other things. We're going to get you in shape. No pain, no gain. The next day, I mean, that night I set my alarm. I never even heard the clock go off. <laughs> Carolyn is kicking me in the back. I said, turn that stupid alarm clock off. I said, what, what? She said, Dennis is waiting for you out there. And so I tried to raise up, and I was going to turn the alarm up, but my arm wouldn't work. I said, Carolyn, pray I'm paralyzed, dear God. And she put her foot in my back and kicked me out of bed, and I'm laying in the floor, and I can't get my Nike stuff on. She had to get up and help me put my Nike stuff on. Man, everything hurt. My hair hurt. My lips hurt. My fingernails hurt. Everything hurt. And I walked out there like this. And Dennis is laughing. No pain, no gain. I said, well, I must be gaining because I'm in some serious pain in here. He said, we'll work that out. You know. He stayed with me two weeks. Two weeks he put me through this. Then I took him back to DFW. I took him to the gate. I shook hands with him and watched him walk down the corridor to get on the plane. I stood at the window and watched the plane back out. I stood and watched the taxi to the runway. I saw it take off for Los Angeles. I got in my car and I went to the nearest Mexican restaurant I could find. <laughs> and they all know me in there. And when I walked in, they said, hey, Brother Jerry. I said, forget the menu. Bring me everything on page one. Everything on page one. <laughs> See, uh, I hadn't made a decision. I had good intentions. But I hadn't made a decision. Okay? That's what a lot of people do when they hear the Word. They have good intentions. They get inspired. But inspiration can leave you as fast as it came. You can be so inspired, and by the time you get to your car, lose that inspiration. The Amplified says, Thou shalt decide and decree. In other words, like Brother Copeland taught me way back there 50 years ago, Jerry, make a quality decision. I've never heard that phrase before. I said, Brother Copeland, what do you mean by a quality decision? He said, it's a decision you'd stake your life on and not back down. You have to make a quality decision. To do what? To decree. To talk. 
to speak. What? Speak the Word. And the Word we're talking about here is the favor of God. Unprecedented favor manifesting in our lives. So you shall decree, or you shall decide, and decree. The word decide requires you to make a choice. The literal meaning of the word decide means to settle conclusively. To settle conclusively. Amen. Now, there are some things that I settled conclusively in my life and ministry. One of them is, I don't borrow money. I don't borrow money personally, and I don't borrow money in our ministry. Now, that was a hard decision. Because I'd been in debt up to my eyeballs before I went to ministry. I think Caroline still had three payments left on the broom. But anyway, you know, we were in debt to everybody. And Kenneth Copeland come in there preaching, oh, no man, nothing but love. I thought, there's no way you can live debt free. My dad was in debt all his life. He taught me how to get in debt. (laughs) I was was in debt by the time I was 18 years old. Dad wanted me to go to college. I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to work on cars. Dad said, son, that's a hard way to make a living. Go get you an education. You still feel the same way afterwards. Then you can work on cars. Well, I was an athlete growing up. I played baseball, so I thought I'll go to college and play baseball. At least I'll do something that I I like doing. And... uh, I had to put my 57 Chevrolet up for collateral to have money to go to college. And I'll never forget what that banker said to me. Uh, what do you have to put up for collateral? I said, the only thing I own, sir, is my 57 Chevrolet. And he said, we'll take it. That should have been a clue. That means if I don't keep the payments up, they will take it. I was in debt by the time I was 18. And by the time I was 21 and my business is in debt, Carol and I are in debt, that's the only way I knew how to live. Brother Copeland come in there talking about living debt-free. Well, it took me a while to decide. In fact, I had some help deciding. They wouldn't loan me anymore. (laughs) Okay? You know, the bank helped me decide. But I made a decision. And I've been debt-free all these years. Our ministries all over the world. None of our offices are in debt. Praise God, everything we have is debt-free. Hallelujah. But I had to make a decision. Now, I, I, I assure you, there are some things that can happen faster by not making a decision to be debt-free. However, in a pandemic, they can't come get it from you. Amen. In bad times, they can't come take it. They can't put a lock on the front of my gate, on the gate. (laughs) Amen. So, deciding. Deciding. You know, Billy Graham has been famous over the years for his message, Decide. That was the name of his magazine, Decision. Decision. Come to a place where you decide. And then what? And decree. Decide and decree. So that, once again, means to settle conclusively. Are you willing tonight to settle it conclusively that I am going to talk the favor of God, unprecedented favor on my life, beginning tonight 
and throughout the rest of this year and beyond. If you have made a conscious decision to do that, then praise God, get ready. What did it say? It shall be established unto thee. And the literal Hebrew, the word established means if you say it enough, eventually it will become a common occurrence. Hallelujah. If you decree enough, I'm experiencing unprecedented favor. If you keep talking that and keep talking that and keep talking that, it will be established, meaning it will become a common occurrence. Somebody I'll give the Lord a shout, praise God. Amen. Now, let's read that whole verse from the Amplified Bible. It's very interesting. You shall decide and decree a thing, and it shall be established for you. And listen to this. And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. Hallelujah. And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. So notice right there it is. You will decide and you will decree. And if you keep decreeing it, then eventually it's going to become a common occurrence that the light of God's favor is going to shine upon your ways. Can you give the Lord a good shout over that? Praise God. And now finally, I highly recommend that every time the favor of God shows up in your life, and I mentioned this at the beginning, stop right then, no matter where you are. No matter who's listening. It's not for their benefit. It's for your benefit. Stop right then. And what I learned to do, and I learned this over 50 years ago, is just stop right then and say, hey, that's the favor of God. And what happens is, if you do that, every time you experience the favor of God, you're going to begin to expect it more. And if you expect it more, you're going to experience it more. It's a proven fact. You get what you expect. Amen. But if you acknowledge it right there, that's the favor of God. People hear me say that all the time. That's the favor of God. That's the favor of God. I don't care what it is. Big things, little things. That's the favor of God. And I say it all the time. And consequently, I begin to experience it more and more and more. Now, I found in my life that if I do this, then the more I will expect it and the more I will experience it. It also demonstrates that you're giving credit where credit is due. That you didn't make this happen. It was God and His favor. I think God appreciates being given the credit that is due Him. Amen. I've also noticed in my 52 years of ministry... That people that have an attitude of gratitude experience more from God. People that just take it for granted, they don't experience as many manifestations of it as people who have an attitude of gratitude. Now that's probably one of the reasons why uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 107 on four different occasions in that one psalm. Verse 8, verse 15, verse 21, and verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, His favor, and for His wonderful works to the children of men. God appreciates being told thank you. 
I appreciate being told thank you when I help people, when I bless people. You know, Carol and I, we, we live to give. I know Keith and Phyllis are the same way. Kenneth and Gloria Copeland are the same way. Jesse and Kathy are the same way. We live to give. That's our greatest joy is, is being a blessing. The people that we bless and we never say, we never hear, thank you. And they are people. I mean, we've bought people cars, never had the first thank you. Got people out of debt, never had the first thank you. It's not that I'm looking for a pat on the back. It's, it's just, it's what you do, man. It's what you do. Amen. <laughs> I mean, did your mama teach you some manners? <laughs> it's just what you do when people are gracious to you and kind to you. We, we taught our, our daughters when they were little girls. If people bless you, if they come up and give you money or, or bring you some special gift, no matter what it is, try to get their name and address and write them a thank you note. And they still do it to this day. Amen. Being grateful. I'm grateful for the favor of God. My goodness, I am so grateful for the favor of God that's on my life. Grateful people always experience more than those who just take it for granted. Now, let me close it with this. Psalm 22.3 says this. Thou inhabits the praises of Israel, or your people. You inhabit the praise of your people. The word inhabit means to dwell in, to live with, and to abide with. And when God is inhabiting you, then what happens is He begins to lavish on you more and more of His favor. There are great benefits to being grateful. Amen. Grateful. You know, uh, I remember Jesse and Kathy and Carol and I were in a restaurant in Fort Worth uh, a number of years ago, and uh, the waitress was so young, she came over and brought us our iced tea, and then she came back, and she said, I am so sorry. I don't know who you two men are. She said, but you must be famous. Everybody in here is trying to buy your meal. <laughs> and she said, who are you? I said, well, I'm Tom Selleck, and that's Robert Redford. <laughs> She actually said, who is that? <laughs> she was so young, she never heard of them. And I said, would, uh, would you go around and tell all these people they're trying to buy our meals that we said thank you? She said, oh, yes, I, I will. Well, in a little while, they come by us, you know, and said, Brother Jesse, Brother Jerry, we love your ministries. And uh, we just wanted to buy you a meal. Well, we both stood up and gave him a hug and thanked him for it, you know. And then another couple come by and said, Brother Jesse, Brother Jerry, we love you, minister. We tried to buy you a meal, but somebody else beat us to it. Well, we thanked them anyway. Amen. Thanked them anyway for, you know, the, the thought of doing that. Grateful people experience more than those who just take things for granted. Never take the favor of God for granted. Be thankful. Can you say amen? amen. Look at your neighbor and say, 
Hey, that's the favor of God. Let me close it with this. Uh, a number of years ago, people would hear, and, and I didn't share a lot of these testimonies, but people would hear me talk about favor testimonies. And the Lord impressed upon me to, to produce what I call my personal favor of God journal. And in here, I give several scriptures in each chapter about the favor of God. And then I give you a place to write down what you're believing the favor of God for. And then on the next page, there's a place where when it manifests, you can write the date down and and record how it happened. Amen. Now, what I'm helping you do with this is, thou shalt decide and decree a thing. And when you go back and look, you fill these books up in a little while. I've filled up several of them. And you go back and look at those testimonies. And what it does is cause you to become inspired, enthusiastic, expectant. Amen? I'm not just trying to sell you a book. I'm trying to help you. But uh, I'll just close it with this one more time. 2021, a year of an unprecedented outpouring of the goodness and the favor of God. How many of you will receive that? Well, stand up and give the Lord your best shout. Praise God. Amen. Give the Lord your best shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, keep your hands up and let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe this great audience has been so receptive and I believe they have mixed faith with the word that has been preached. And Lord, I'm praying in Jesus' name that each and every one of them will experience from this time forward an unprecedented outpouring of the goodness and the favor of God. And that they will have so many testimonies of some of the most unusual manifestations of your favor that they've ever experienced before, that they'll just have to journal it all so that they can keep it before them and testify of it. And people will say to them, as they've said to me all these years, they no longer tell me I'm one of the luckiest people they've ever known. They say, you walk in more favor than anybody I've ever known. And they'll say it to them. In Jesus' name, and we thank you for it, and give the Lord one more good shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, Pastor Keith. Amen.